Tim Joyce. It's Wednesday. It's Wednesday, man. <laughs> it's Wednesday. Good to see you, my friend. Good to see you. Uh, I, I'm still in the good old garage here in New Jersey. And you are now? That, that background looks familiar. Yeah, this is the Health Week in Boston office. So okay. um, not too far from you, but far away from home, far, far away from Dublin. So I, I'm sure Emmy misses you. Yeah, I think so. I get little notes. <laughs> little notes. But um, it's too bad. We're not, I don't think we're going to cross paths. I'm going to be in Boston the week of July 12th. So anybody who wants to meet up out there. Yeah. Um, and actually, I'm, you know, now that my, my second job is behind me, uh, I actually started getting out. And we, uh, I had a wonderful dinner with one of the guests on our show, uh, Jeff Berkowitz, last night, right? You know, 20 minutes away from here. So... Yeah, that's great. That's great. How'd you guys get on? Did you uh, did you get on? <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was fantastic. We were kind of like, okay, what do we do? Do we shake hands? Do we hug? Do we, you know, it was a kind of kind of strange uh, thing. But right. um, very quick before we let our, our our next guest in, who I reconnected with after many years myself. Um, so, couple of big announcements, right? Pair Therapeutics with about four million projected revenue, spacking out at one point six billion. Holy wow. Moses. Uh, but I can see the storyline of a biotech there a bit or biotech-like. Right. Uh, yeah, much mind more blown. just mind-blown. And then much more, I'd say, realistic valuation is our friends at Volantis uh, in, uh, in, in Paris being acquired at about 80 million or so, something like that, or in wow. talk. So. You know, the DTX space is heating up. I think we'll see more of that. Uh, but we'll leave the rest of it to Mr. Bolty Boy, Matthew Holt, and Justin Massa to, uh, right. to dissect. I'm sure that's going to be it. Um, yeah. Speaking of, I think, digital formularies and other things. So let's let Glenn. this guy in. So Glenn Stetton, our Chief Innovation Officer at Evernorth. Glenn is joining us now. Excited to be reconnected. Let's see. If he makes it in. Very good. I'm looking he's, forward to he's it. Gonna, he's going to make it in. I am convinced. You can, you can do. There he is. Glenn Stetton. Good to see you. Hi, Eugene. How, can you hear me okay? Perfect. Even, even a, uh, you know, a corporate PC works on Zoom. So congratulations. Yeah, hey, hey Glenn. Hey, Glenn, you, guys, you. You, you guys haven't met, right? In any way, shape, or form, I don't think. I don't think so, Glenn. I, I, you, your reputation precedes you, but I don't think we've met. I don't think we've met. <laughs> well, nice to meet you, Jim. So, Jim, I think, I, I don't know if I told you, um, so Glenn and I go back probably about a decade now-ish, um, and what happened, I saw on LinkedIn, the, the infamous or famous drug report by Evernorth, right? Um, and because now I have this podcast voice, I heard Glenn Stetton's voice coming through on the LinkedIn ad. I'm like, holy crap, I haven't spoken to him in a long time. So we just kind of hopped on FaceTime that same weekend um, and reconnected. So good to, good to have you here, Glenn. Very good, Eugene. Happy to be here. And Glenn, are you responsible for Eugene coming to Europe or you're, you work with them? Or how? I can't say that I was responsible, but uh, <laughs> we both were getting started over there at almost the same time uh, for some work we were doing for a company that uh, you know, is now part of, now part of Evernorth. 
I actually you. remember before, because uh, we want all of our millions of listeners and viewers to get to know you first and the, and the history of you. But I do remember since Jim brought it up, I remember it was myself, you, I think Don Sherman heading into, I think it was in Berlin to meet with Frank Newman, who I just spoke to yesterday and we should actually have him. So he's doing well. And I, I told him that I'm going to have you uh, on the shot. So he sends his regards. So just a little side note of reminiscing uh, oh, 10, yeah, no. 10 years yeah. ago. So yeah, love to hear, love to hear your background. Um, Glenn, and for our millions of, of viewers, you know, <laughs> your, a little bit of your career. Yeah, sure. So um, I can't say that, uh, you know, I, I grew up dreaming that one day I'd be, you know, leading innovation for a, uh, a health services company uh, based in St. Louis. Um, but, uh, you know, sort of the way that I, 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 got, I got there, um, and it's been 27 years already, hard to believe. I started out with the uh, intent of uh, being an academic and uh, in the middle of the AIDS crisis in the mid 80s, went to UC San Francisco to do my training in internal medicine um, and uh, got involved with health services research and the, the whole idea of how do you look at evidence about effectiveness and really, you know, figuring out what, you know, what, what's true or not. And, you know, in the whole field of healthcare, right, there's so many people, you know, trying to do really good work about how do we improve outcomes for people and how do we improve affordability and how do we um, improve experiences and, you know, areas that I've been interested in since then. And uh, on a lark, um, I had uh, in interviewed uh, with a company called Merck Medco Managed Care at the time. It was a, a pharmacy okay. benefit manager owned by Merck. Um, and, uh, you know, basically said, hey, you know, we're, they were interested in population health management and disease management. And I, I joined really as a clinical consultant. Um, and the big focus was on medication adherence for, um, for largely employers and, and, and health plan clients. And when I started talking to the clients, they couldn't give a crap about medication adherence at the time <laughs> because their, their drug costs, I mean, those were the days of, uh, you know, drugs like um, um, Zoloft and Prozac and Prilosec, um, their, their drug, their, their drug costs were going up 25, 30% a year, right? So they didn't want more medication adherence. They wanted someone to fix their drug costs. Um, and so got involved in, in, in utilization management and other things that, uh, you know, maybe, uh, you know, in retrospect, we probably could have thought a little bit harder about experiences that we were creating at the time. But it has solved, you know, once we got the drug costs under control, right, then all of a sudden um, it became a lot easier to talk about how else we could help to improve the health of the population, which, you know, go hand in hand. Um, and then over the course of time, just, you know, one of the things that I've loved about our company, you know, we've had a couple of, you know, been acquired a couple of times, but I've had the opportunity, even though I'm an internist, a physician, to really be leader in different parts of the organization, including the technology organization. You know, most of my work has been in product development and product management, solution development. Um, but because as a, you know, as, as someone who needs an architecture and infrastructure to be able to deliver the things that you need to do to serve clients, to serve patients, um, you know, you get a little bit sometimes more involved. So I spent some time in the technology organization. I've spent time in our operations. I've been the company's chief medical officer. So every couple of years, I've had the opportunity to do something different. Although for the last 10, 
um, have been uh, mostly focused in the innovation space. And then as you, you know, Eugene noted, um, just prior to getting acquired by Express Scripts, um, we had an opportunity to start some businesses in Europe, um, which, you know, were, you know, lot, which, started, of, which started my European vacation, basically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> but one of the things, you know, a lot of things that I remember there, but one of the things I got to do, you know, we were, we were building a, a pharmacy business in, in the Netherlands to, to primarily serve the EU, but Germany in particular, um, and had this opportunity to go around to physician offices um, to really get, get a better understanding of primary care there. And, and, and all the comments that I kept getting back were, you're here from the United States to help us with our health system. Um, what could you possibly know about a health system since yours is so screwed up? And I, you know, I, I said, no, I'm here to, I'm here to observe and, and, and help understand what the challenges are. I have no preconceived notions about what you can do. Um, and you know, that was part of what we, we try to figure out. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know how many people know that actually uh, Obamacare was somewhat loosely tried to be based on the Dutch system, actually. So a lot of the folks that were involved in building Obamacare uh, spent some time in the Netherlands. So I, you know, I don't know how many of the listeners actually know of this, but yeah. lots to improve on. You know, I just want one comment that you made, right? And I think uh, it's kind of interesting, right? Because it, traditionally, when we talk about digital health, it's been like, you know, if you rewind all the way back, it's a bunch of techies that thought it was something good, uh, and then try to find a problem for the solution, right? And I actually think that, you know, back to I think it was, you know, Dave Snow at the time and Kenny, when you had the technology organization, and that was a little bit of the foresight where actually the industry is now to put you with a clinical background within that tech technology and leading some of those components. So that was actually, I, you know, looking back on it, it was pretty visionary. Yeah, no, you know, there's a couple of different domain areas, right, that are important to have right? and technology and, and technical is clearly very important, right, user experience, user interface. Um, you know, if I, you know, sort of think about areas where I'm bringing some value, one is as, as a clinician, right, and understanding the medical piece, but even the medical piece um, is not enough because you have to have a lot of empathy for the patient experience, right? If we want to provide something that's compelling that people actually want to use, you really have to understand, you know, what it is they're going through and, and how to appeal for them. And I think still the challenge in all of digital health um, is how to get people engaged with the solutions, right? right. Um, because despite the fact that you may have a great experience, if they won't use it, if you can't make it compelling for them and, and, and see why they need it and, and, and have to use it. And, and part of what we've been trying to do um, at, at Evernorth is because we are processing prescriptions and our PBM for people, because we are adjudicating claims, right? We're, we're observing their care and in pharmacy, it's in real time. Um, so we have, you know, have opportunity to connect the digital solution and the patient who could benefit from it at a moment that, you know, they're receptive. It's, you know, I think about it as the teachable moment or um, a point in time where they have a need and they make, they, you know, they, they have a solution that's available to them. When, when you think of like like innovation, so when we think of like these chief innovation officers working inside pharmaceutical companies, then trying to you know, or you have chief innovation officers in you know whether say even you know like a like an Intel or a tech company. I, when I think about your the systems that you're involved in, how, how do you think about innovation when you have so many different aspects of the organization? Yeah, so so 
So the first thing that I would say is, right, I, I hate the word innovation, and I'm sorry that I have it in my title, but I, <laughs> I, 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 get, it, I get it to appease, appease my boss who, who wanted to have someone with the title. Is, is that still out. Tim? Tim, Tim is yes, still around? Tim, Tim, Tim Wentworth is still around? You may want to have him on the show. He could tell you the, the, the debate that we had about it. But I, I kind of view things that it's, it's really for the user. It's for our client to determine whether or not something is innovative, to, right? It's, a, it's an outside perspective as opposed to claiming that, that we're innovating, right? right. Um, and, you know, I, as, as part of our company, Evernorth, we have uh, business units that are, that, that are, you know, that are health services, right? So they're used by health plans, they're used by employers, they're used by government. It includes pharmacies, including specialty pharmacy. It includes um, medical specialty management. So think about radiology and cardiology and orthopedics on the medical side. Um, it includes the pharmacy benefit um, management. It includes care, right? So we actually have care delivery in terms of on-site health solutions for employers. We have um, care coaching. We have home care. So it's a diverse set of businesses, and they all have to innovate um, every day, yep. right? The sustaining innovation to keep up with their client needs. And the way that I sort of look at it as a, as a chief innovation officer across the businesses is I need to take an 18-month, 36-month view of things, as well as how can I connect capability across, across the businesses to bring things that really are new and disruptive um, to the market and in, in ways that, again, outside in where, you know, what our clients and what the people, right? Over 140 million people we touch in some way across these businesses. You know, it, it's crazy to me what you just described. And I guess, I mean, it's been for me, I guess a decade plus that, that I've actually left the old Metco slash Express script. So this is not your kind of grandma's PBM anymore. I mean, it's it's really evolved into like, what what's the North Star of Ever North? Yeah, so we, we look at it as by taking on the challenges in healthcare, our clients' challenges in healthcare um, that others can't or won't, or, you know, that, that, that really need to be, you know, that really need to be solved. And, you know, I have a charter from, a, from our CEO, David Granani, right, is, is not to worry about, you know, disrupting the existing businesses. We have to think about um, what do our clients and, and what they're the people that they serve, the beneficiary of the plan, what do they need and what are the big challenges? So, you know, just quickly, affordability, um, which is a, you know, even though our costs may be higher than everywhere else, uh, there's still high costs in every country, um, and it's a you know it's, and 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 we really are you know a global company um, at this point. We're right? about over seventy five thousand employees in, in, in countries around the world. Um, and then second, I, I I tend to think about um, the complexity of healthcare that really does two things. Right, one is that. It means the quality of the care, the outcomes are not necessarily what they should be. And it also means that the experiences are often poor, right? You can have great experiences in healthcare um, and you can have terrible experience in healthcare, whether it's using your insurance um, in yep. the United States and figuring out what's covered, right? Nobody wants to pay attention to it until you actually have to use it. Um, and then it's, you know, how do you get the care you need, right? People tend to be very deferential to um, their physicians, right? We think about them as, you know, learned intermediary um, and, right, they're not necessarily on the same page in terms of information. 
And at the same time, um, people you know, benefit from being more involved in their care and asking questions. And, so, and, then, and then the last piece from big challenges, I think about our disparities in care, right? We just have big issues, racial disparities, um, people who are you know, poor, they just, they have benefits often, high deductible benefits that make it harder to you know, make economic versus health trade-offs, particularly when they're under their deductibles. Um, and then there's, you know, uh, I don't want to say intentional bias, but um, there is inherent bias. And as a result, people don't get the care that they're entitled to. Um, and the outcomes are worse. And it doesn't matter whether it, you know, look at, you know, just some examples of black women more likely to die in childbirth um, or black and Hispanic people being more likely to have worse consequences for COVID. Um, and, you know, people can argue whether it's race, whether it's poverty, whether it's um, other comorbid illness, it doesn't matter, right? When you look at the right. outcomes, they're not fair. Um, and, and we need to over-index on, on really serving communities that have this disadvantage over the course of time. Glenn, when you think of like about, like one of the things that just observing, you know, kind of Express Scripts and Evernorth and, you know, and other, other big systems, and in, in with the explosion in activity in digital health, like all the investment that's going into these like, you know, organizations like, you know, like Eugene and my organizations and, and other ones, like as a tastemaker, you know, like I always think of like, you know, Evernorth, like with the digital formerly strategy, like, how do you think about that responsibility? Do you guys, when you're thinking about that, like saying, hey, if we adopt a certain technology, um, you know, we're we might change the whole market dynamic. Do you think that way or do you just kind of stay practical and pragmatic or? Yeah, so I, I would say that we've been very deliberate as it relates to the digital health formulary and our, and, and our, and our digital strategy. And when I say deliberate, you know, I go back to the big challenges that I talked about in affordability and outcomes. Um, and think, you know, one lens to apply is different disease lenses, right? So what are the big drivers of cost? What are the big clinical areas that have quality outcome issues? So, right, if you do a Pareto chart of where money gets spent, right, by, by, by employers and health plans, um, you know, number one is cardiodiabetes, right? So the consequences of obesity, but you don't have to have obesity to have diabetes, right? Metabolic effects and the heart disease that it leads to. Number two, right? Musculoskeletal or oncology, depending on the plan and the age of the right. beneficiaries. Um, and, and so I tend to think in terms of we need solutions that right. help people, depending on the type of, uh, of, of problem we're trying to solve, we need solutions that can help people navigate um, or that can help people change their own behaviors so that they can live healthier, right? And so if I, if, you know, just using oncology or, or orthopedics or musculoskeletal as an example, right? And in, 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 in they're more similar than different. And I say that because in, you, you know, if you have back or hip or knee pain, right? And you, you can go down a path where you get surgery and most people would like to avoid surgery if they could. And there are things that a lot of people could do to avoid surgery that they didn't need to have. Doesn't mean everybody can avoid it. Um, so it's a navigation issue. Um, in oncology, it's similar, right? You get diagnosed with cancer, it's, you know, rocks your world. Um, and you have to figure out who's gonna be my oncologist and surgeon and radiation. And just for chemotherapy, I mean, very simply, right? Big problem we have in the US is that if you get your chemotherapy at the hospital, 
versus the same chemotherapy in an outpatient in your doctor's office or in an infusion center, it's markedly different in cost. And it's the same chemotherapy, right? So those are, and, and, and for both of those, right, we want to prevent mistakes and complications as opposed to a disease like diabetes or heart disease and heart failure. There, we're trying to have people change their behavior. Right? And whether it's healthier eating and exercise and what to avoid and taking their medicines and adherence. So there's behavior change, decision-making that has to be improved in both, but they're different types of issues. And so, so is, go ahead, is, Eugene. No, sorry, uh, just to sort of uh, dive a little bit deeper in the digital. So uh, if you, are you looking at the digital formulary? And, and I, I think, you know, you and I spoken, like I did this DTX podcast, right? And should have had Mark Beanie on, I think, probably on, the, on, on that topic specifically. But um, are you guys looking at that in the context of surrounding? So again, right, if somebody who's going through chemotherapy also absolutely has some mental impact, right, getting through the day. And so are you looking at digital formulary to, I'll say, complement uh, or make it more accessible? And maybe a little bit of what is that even process, right, for a, 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 a drug it gets shipped to my house, right? But what happens to that? I don't know. I think I forget. Sleepy OS, I think, is on your form formulary as an example, right? Yeah. So when you think about, um, we have to take a whole person approach, right? Because you 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 are not your disease, um, but we have problems for people who have a particular disease or a particular condition um, in terms of their journey through that disease. And sometimes the comorbid factors like behavioral health, you know, play, play a bigger role versus, versus not. So we look at the digital health formulary as having point solutions that are really important to pieces of their journey. Um, but they're not the whole solution for that individual. And in fact, one of the solutions that we have in the market is something called health connect 360. And the 360 is around a 360 view of the, the patient and a 360 view of the patient's needs. So there we're aggregating all of the next best actions, if you will, right, through analysis of the data, including the data that comes back to us through the digital solutions, right? So really important to us and you know, a good example is that our care and case managers and our counseling pharmacists have access to people's glucose readings, right? And, you know, and, 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 and the focus is really, right, if, if you're operating within the guardrails of good care and taking care of yourself, we, we need to leave you alone, right? But if, you're, you know, if your values are out of whack and you're heading to trouble, right, that's where we can really help you. And those are the people who we're, are most urgent for us to connect to the digital solutions. And, and where the solutions that have demonstrated value, right, have their biggest effect. And how do you think about, um, how do you think about uh, speed, like pace, you know, and driving, like, you know, like, you know, cause in, you know, bringing something new into your, into your organization, obviously that's a big commitment, you know, you, you know, piloting and assessment and going through, how do you, like, what's your philosophy on that? I, I thought you were talking about NASCAR, Jim, for a second. <laughs> but. I thought you were talking about methamphetamines, but that is different. <laughs> yeah, um, that's the approach. <laughs> yeah, so look, none of, none of the problems can wait. So we have to be, we have to be fast. And, and, you know, I would say that, you know, we've had our digital health formulary now several years. Do I wish we had more solutions on the formulary and able to go faster? Um, when we got started, I think, I get, you know, a rate limiting step 
was how do we do the contracting, right? And, and, and Eugene right. knows from having worked with us before, um, we have a, you know, a security, right? Really important data security and how you, you, know, how you work with a big company who has uh, clients for whom you know, security and data security and privacy all paramount, right? So we have 613 question, right? Technology, security, right. privacy, um, kind of questionnaire and, and hurdle gauntlet that you have to get through. And I think that's the same number of commandments that are in the Torah. Um, but that, but right, so for a small company that's just getting started, right, you, you probably don't want certain giant clients that have the, you know, the, the hardest, the hardest, um, the hardest criteria, right, as your, as your first client. And we have the ability to make some exception, right, and doing, right, you mitigate risk on, on small scale. And, and that's part of what we had to learn as we got, got through this, right? The second thing is the contracting process, right? It, right, in terms of procurement and attorneys yeah. involved, right? How to make that sort of simple. And what we've done for our clients is because they've, right, they've already had their procurement, they've already had their security vet our company. Once we've vetted the solutions to be part of the formulary, they can just a turn on, we can turn something on and off at a client level with the simple contract addendum, right? One page and we're off to the races. So once we get through the initial period and what we've done with our own procurement, our own contracting, our own technology organization is right, is how do we speed that along? And we had to develop some muscles that we didn't have as a big company um, right. in order to be able to do that. In, in with the um, looking out, like when you think about this, you know, think of how, how you've had to react over the last year. Like this is kind of a, 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 a safe free zone where we don't talk about the, you know, we don't, we don't, we don't the, say those words, even though <laughs> we don't we, say those words. We, yeah, we, this, we don't talk this, about this. The, the plague. The, the, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the, but, the, the C19. There you go. Okay. Yeah. How, how is that like so when you think about like what's happened you know do you, is it a complete revisit of strategy over the last year you know has the organization been jarred in new ways and you know do you see that carrying forward or yeah so i would say in 2019 we weren't planning for we would have to innovate around <laughs> around around the pandemic that was to come right um, although pretty early, you know, late in the year in 2019, we, you know, we you got up, right? A, a lot of what we do is what's on the horizon, what's coming, um, and what can we do about it? Um, and so it became part of our own agenda of what could we bring to our clients that could help get through that. And so whether it was at first tracking and understanding risk factors, um, knowing that people were home and not accessing primary care, people like going undiagnosed. Um, we were among the first to report the changes in the use of mental health medicines, right? This giant spike, you know, to 20, 30% increase in the use of anxiety medicines in the February, just the period before the lockdown February. Um, issues with regard to people with emergencies, not showing up at the emergency room um, or the hospital. Um, and then, and, and even now, you know, still doing work around documentation for vaccines and, and promoting vaccines. Um, you may not know I'm on the vaccine credential initiative, now the verifiable clinical information initiative, but right, how do we help our clients get people back to the work site safely? How do we, you know, the return to normal? Um, and so um, because we're paying claims, whether they're pharmacy claims and our clients are paying medical claims, 
we actually have in our data set the fact that you got vaccinated, what you got vaccinated with, did you have your second vaccination? Um, so today in our, in, in our company apps, we're able to show you and you have you, you can show anybody you want that, you, 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 that you've been vaccinated and adequately vaccinated. Um, and later this summer, we'll be launching the QR codes that go along with that. Um, so it's not just- Just, just as a side, side anecdote, I just got my second job uh, and at CVS. So I asked if there's a digital version of the card and said, well, we can print out your record. I'm like, no, no, no. I mean, like literally digital, not to print it out. <laughs> I just thought it was kind of funny, but- um, well, when we started, right, we, you know, some of the, you know, there were threats against us, right, of what, what are you doing, like, this is, you know, who you want to make us get vaccinated, right, whether you get vaccinated or not, that's up to you, um, yeah. but everybody who gets vaccinated is worried about what's happened to their card, right, you don't want to lose right. it if I have to get it again, right, so everyone should have digital access to their very right. vaccine records and all their health I, records if that's what they want. And that's really I, what I scan I scanned mine and, and then I laminated it in a nice thing. So just, yeah, know, just, just saying my my uh, my two cents on it. And, and and actually, so during this, you kind of mentioned even access to care during that time. Uh, I think that's when uh, I'm I'm curious if if the C19 expedited your MD live. Well um, it, it it definitely expedited um, virtual care or, or telephonic yeah. care and, and video-based care um, because people needed to have access and, you know, and, and it accelerated right for the health systems and practices themselves, right? You had to do it. What's really been interesting from, from my perspective is that for many practices, it's not really the way that they want to practice uh, right. because it's not in line with the revenue model, right? You can't do a procedure to somebody if you can't touch them, right? And, and, and they're not right. there. So the, the revenue per case, if you're an institution. On the other hand, when we think about a, a, a virtual first type of practice as we have with MD Live, right? That's not the model. The model is how do we help patients who are beneficiaries of the plans that we serve get cost-effective access to care? Um, and, and whether that's primary care, whether that's mental health care, um, and mental health care, right, has been a great example, right, you, that there's not a lot of touching. In fact, if there's touching, there's probably a problem and somebody's going to go to jail um, or get their license suspended. Um, but, right, it's a, you know, it's a great use case for, um, for, for virtual care. So we're very excited about having MD Live as part of the family. And it's a good example, right, of has us thinking right now, if you want to, to scale the ability of a licensed provider, a physician or a therapist, how do you make it such that they can take care of not a thousand patients, but thousands of patients or tens of thousands of patients, right. and you have a digital complement to that, um, makes a lot of sense. And Eugene, this is an important question. And what was Eugene like to work with like 10 years, what was it, 15 years ago? Like, what was his... <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm going to mute Glenn right now. <laughs> so, so Eugene, as I'm sure it wouldn't surprise you, was both very high energy. Uh, and there was nothing that couldn't be done. <laughs> like it. Good, like good it. answer, Glenn. Good answer. <laughs> yeah. we, we will release this episode. <laughs> um, I, I'm actually curious. So obviously, you know, now this this conglomerate, right, of different multi-businesses, and then um, we're seeing, and I don't know how much you've been tracking a lot of these, you know, 100 million here, 300 million, 
four mil, four billion SPAC, two billion SPAC, and um, you know everything from primary care to digital therapeutics to things that, you know, in some cases, you know, may have some revenues, but what's really the impact to the patient? How how are you looking at this, thinking of this, uh, if at all? I don't know yeah. if that's in your daily agenda, all right? right? But so, look, we have a venture fund. Yeah, I mean, you've seen us be active in in M and A. Um, we have to think about the world as being diverse. Um, there aren't single solutions that are going to work for anybody in anything, right? Right. So, so if you want to take care of a whole population, or, or you know, have something for all people, um, you have to think about partnerships are important. You have to think about there are some assets that probably make sense to own, um, and they're probably or to be invested in to accelerate because things have you know. And, and, and to be so um, self-centered to think that we can invent everything, right? It's crazy. Um, and so it's some combination, um, but if you're externally focused on what are the problems that your clients have, what are the problems that the people that you serve have um, and, and, and how to get at solving them, you'll figure out you know, what combinations make sense. And and where, where are you looking ahead, right? Like if you rewind back to like 18 or 17, you know, maybe yes, like virtual care and visits were somewhere on that innovation agenda. Kind of where, where's your head if you kind of fast forward, you had the crystal ball in, you know, in the next five years. Yeah. What, I, what, what, I, what are some key items for thought? Yeah, I, I think that it's the combination of digital and processing of information and automation and AI for assisting decisions, right? I don't think we're at a point yet where you're gonna take chemotherapy because the computer said, this is the one for you, um, or this is your diagnosis, but there is a way to use probabilities to help and, 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 and prevent mistakes um, and also get to the right answer faster. Um, and so, so, uh, you know, that, that's one. And, and then the second is if you really want to help people change their behavior and help them have healthier behaviors, right. You have to think about them in their milieu, right. In their setting. And that's, they spend a lot of time at work and they spend a lot of time in, with their families in at home. And if we have to think about- Last year is one of the same, by but, the way, right? But, but, but look, <laughs> if, if, if you want someone, if you want to make it easy for someone to do the right thing, and you want to make it hard for them to do the wrong thing, you have to have solutions that work in both of those environments and complementary and bring in the people who care about you maybe more than you care about yourself um, right. to help you and not annoy you, right? And so- um, I'm very interested in how we can create the support um, in both of those environments um, to, to, to help people achieve the health that they want, right? Nobody sets out saying, I want to be morbidly obese, right? I want to have heart disease. I want to get sicker. The reason that it creeps up on you is because doing all the right things is hard. And even if you do the right things, right, there's not a guarantee and you got to enjoy yourself. That doesn't, yep. right, it doesn't mean uh, and, and, and we also have this, right, we tend to blame people for what happens to them, which is, you know, completely not right, right? If, if all this were easy and we were all wired the same, right, it would be different. But um, we have to create the supportive environments and, and meet people where they are. And just coming back to the digital piece, right, they're often on their phone, right, uh, and, and, and their smartphone. And so 
you know, how can we use that for the right nudges, right? Awesome. The, though I've been seeing some people saying taking a complete like once a week detox from phone and apparently it's just like invigorating. I'm, I think I'm gonna try that gym on a Wednesday. <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> I can see you starting the Twitch already, Eugene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jim, do you want to go to your, uh, you know, your, yeah. fa your famous uh, ending question? Right. So you're a, you're a recent, imagine yourself like just out of medical school and you've decided to go into digital health technology and start your own company. Um, and you're thinking about space. What advice would you have for that? that young doctor that decided to become an entrepreneur versus a, a, a doctor. <laughs> yeah, I, I would, you know, sort of take the lesson of, uh, you know, all, the, all of the, the companies and others who have come before you, including, and I, I won't mention names, but large employers and large technology companies who put together to tackle the problems of the world together collectively, they have a large population. Um, you have to be in the flow. If you're not in the flow, no one will adopt your solution if you don't have access to the data, if you don't have the access to timely data um, to be able to connect and observe, right? You can have great ideas, um, but they won't get adopted. And so it's, it's, it's really understanding who you're focused on, what's their problem, why does it matter about solving it, and why is it better than whatever they're doing today, and how are you going to get it in their hands? Um, and uh, you know, at least I look at what we're doing at Evernorth and our partners in digital health. That's what we're trying to help them do, right? We 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 are witness to the people who need the solutions, um, and, and and are trying to help get it connected to the right people at the right time. Awesome, in the flow. Awesome, in the flow, in the flow. That's that's <laughs> what I took down as well. Glenn, it was a really really awesome to reconnect again, um, and thank you for making the time. Well, Jim, Eugene, thank you very much. Thank you, Lane. And for those millions of listeners, pass this around, hit the follow, subscribe, and see you in the next one. Bye-bye.